Oh, man. I yawned and stretched this morning as I got out of bed early. It was like only 8.30 and I was celebrating because you know how it is. When you work the weekends and you're working weddings and your your crunch time runs till 10 p.m., you just can't sleep right away. That's what Tired and Wired's all about. It's like you're exhausted halfway through the day. You change your shoes to that half size up like we know is a good idea. And you're just exhausted. You could fall asleep right on the line. And yet, as soon as you're done with work, as soon as you punch out, as soon as you pack up, as soon as you're home, what is it, like two, three hours? Suddenly you're ravenous, haven't wanted to eat all day. And suddenly everything looks like fun to watch. You could binge watch till daylight. You can't get to sleep. And you know you got that morning shift. It's like the cruelty behind food service is self-loathing, first of all. But there's this other kind, too, where... The people in charge of scheduling, I swear they have never lifted a spatula. I swear they haven't because why on God's green earth would they even think about having you run a wedding until midnight, two o'clock in the morning? Let's say you work in a bar and grill and you don't even stop serving food till midnight. And then they put you on the opening shift starting at 6 a.m. How do they ever think for a minute that that's going to fly? That's not a smart business move. If you're an employee, you're not going to stay there working that kind of bullshit. Nobody should. That's not healthy. Your body needs 10 hours of downtime. I'm telling you, if you give yourself 10 hours in the bed, that gives you eight hours of solid sleep and two hours of waking up, having great sex, reading a book, doing the things that help you wind down from the day, meditating, whatever it might be, setting your intentions for the morning, whether you back it up at the end of your sleep or start it out at the beginning to help you wind down, you got to give yourself that 10 hour chunk. So when you're working in a business where they've got you scheduled till midnight and then they expect you to be right back at work at 6am, just find another job. It's just not right. That's not the way to run your life. And if you're a business owner and you're doing that to your employees, If you want to keep your business moving forward and you're just like Mr. Scrooge, you're going to lose everybody. And the people who do stick around are going to start drooling in the food because they're going to be half dead most of the time. They're going to be tripping. They're going to be spilling. You watch the amount of breakage, the amount of sickness, the the lack of morale, the mistakes, the burned food, the raw food, all the stuff. You know, you're more likely to get a piece of raw chicken sent out. When you got someone working from midnight and then right back at six, it's just not healthy. So we're not robots, we're humans. Now, I want to tell you a story. One time I had a client that was about three hours in the back hills of Humboldt County. There's a lot of cannabis grows out there. Most of them are illegal. And to be fair, the, the cannabis industry before it was legal kept that county alive. They had gone through uh, forestry being cut back. They'd gone through fishing being cut back. All these legislative limitations to preserve our um, climate and our food supply um, did away with a lot of jobs. And so over time, cannabis seemed to stay. And so those people were the ones who, out of their own pocket, without any tax write-off from it, were building children's centers and schools and community halls and after school programs with their weed money. So I have a big place in my heart for people who 
um, live up in those hills. So anyway, I took the drive. Very scary. It's Highway 36, and there's a town over there called Ruth, and it's got a lake. It's kind of just known for the lake. And there is rodeo grounds in that region. And the guy who was the groom, his name was Snakebite. Yeah, I know. It's for real. And over there, people wear more than one hat. So he was a firefighter on the volunteer fire department, and he was also the rodeo groundskeeper. So, of course, he picks a beautiful bride, and they're going to get married out there on the rodeo grounds. And uh, <clears throat> so I decided I need to go out and check out this venue because it's not really a venue. It's just a location, which is common for that region. People are very creative with their venues for weddings. So I take the drive three hours up mountain roads and very scary. It's one of the most dangerous roads in the world. People are always running down the hill with their grow dozers and just, you know, some of the, sometimes the corners are blind, 10 mile an hour is common. Um, their motorcycles, there's, there's no street um, lines print, painted on anything. It's just kind of a free for all. So luckily I had my SUV for, for catering and I took it all the way up. It has stopped halfway up. There's a tree halfway up. And it's got about 60,000 pairs of shoes hanging from this tree. So, of course, I had to stop and take pictures of that. And I'll try and upload them for this podcast at some point. But it was really cool. So I get all the way up to the top of this, <clears throat> this mountain where this event is going to be held. And it's at the end of a drought, a 10-year-long drought in California. So we've been having the forest fires, as everyone's now very familiar with. This isn't new for us. It's been going on for some time, just starting to make headline news now. So we'd had fires. We'd had drought. Everything was crispy. The water levels were like a, a mud puddle at the end of the summer. It was heartbreaking. And uh, when I get up there to test this venue out, I realize that, holy buckets, I hear banjos everywhere. And I've got my man with me. And he's from L.A. At this, at this point. He's, he's not with us any longer. He's probably off on a cloud playing some guitar music somewhere in the, in the heavens. And so we're headed over there, and we get out to, to get gas. And it's one of these old gas pumps where you've got a – it's got the flip over, like, <laughs> like an old jackpot thing where the numbers flip. You can see it go click, 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 and you have to go in and pay first, and there's no ATM available, so – Fortunately, we had some cash. We get in there, and the guy running the counter has this great big beer belly, and he's the quintessential sweaty guy. He looked like um, just some nasty old gross slovenly dude, just nasty. And <clears throat> his wife beater is hanging up over his belly button, and you know he's really got the, the part going like you'd see in a movie. So he takes our our money and we get our treats and use the bathroom and all that. And I look past him and he, it leads right into a bar. So he's working the bar and he's working the cashier counter in this convenience store slash gas station. And <clears throat> he starts to tell us this story about how this little girl got permission from her husband to beat the shit out of him. And he shows us the bruises and then he shows us the girl and she's like a hundred pounds, probably 15 sitting in the bar it was that kind of a day. So we go on our way. We do our, you know, 
I, I put my catering face on real quick and smile and nod and say, oh, wow, you know, I got real good at doing that. People's stories, you just never know where they're going to go. And, you know, he's got one tooth. He's probably sharing a pair of dentures with everybody in the bar later on. So we get over to the venue, which is across the river. And there's a snack shack that they said that there's a commercial kitchen in there. And that's where we'll be serving the food. So it's 250 people. They've got a full appetizer menu past and then they're going to have a big double buffet and then dessert as well so we had our plate full we definitely had a lot to do and had a big crew to take care of and i had a policy that if anything was more than three hours away and we had a bigger job than 100 people that i would put us up for the night and i would add that to the bill there's <clears throat> a travel fee so we had everybody situated in our minds about who was going to come and do this well we get over this to this um rodeo grounds and i'm telling you what it's like a dust bowl for a chinchilla. It's it's just silty, bone dry, dust everywhere. And it's red dust on top of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be something else. We were all black. I can just see how this is going to go. So at the top of this little crest was the snack shack. And we got out of the car. And I tell you what, it was like going to a ghost town. There was more cobweb action on the windows. You could hardly see through them. I didn't want to put my face up to the window. I was scared I was going to get bit by some black widow. And recluses were probably there too. It was just a gross, dirty, ignored for who knows how long. This snack shack, they wanted us to cook out of that for them. So I look at Adrian and he looks at me and we're like, oh God, okay, well. They said they'll have it cleaned up before we get back. This is like a three-month ahead of time checkup. We always wanted to make sure the ovens work before we go to a new venue, and we couldn't even get in the door. We just had to peek through the window. So we noticed that there's a water, um, like a, an out, up, what is it, external well, I guess. It's like a water tower. That's it, a short water tower right nearby. And we also noticed that there were some barbecue grill stuff going on outside. So we thought, all right, we can do at least do the meat outdoors. And then some of the other stuff we might have to do in our commercial kitchen down the hill. They've already set their menu. So we just had to figure out how to make it work. So <clears throat> on the way out, Adrian's like, well, I really got to go to the bathroom. And I said, I think I saw an outhouse up behind. So I pull around right up to the door of it. It's literally got a moon cut out of a wooden little tiny outhouse. He goes inside. He comes tearing back out, scared to death. He's like, I think there are children in there. He comes running back. He's like, go, go, go. And he was so scared. He didn't even pee because he just wanted out of there so bad. He's like, it was this huge tunnel. It was just going somewhere and I could hear voices. I swear, I swear. So he's all freaked out. So I have to drive us home. And he just can't deal with this, this scary, dirty. It's definitely not LA anymore. So the event comes around and Snakebite in the meantime is so excited. He's just frothing at the mouth over the menu. They'd come down the hill and done a tasting session and his wife-to-be was from Portland, which is where I live now. And she was a sophisticated, um, clean-cut, stylish, you know, nails done, the whole bag matching the shoes, the whole nine yards. And I was so surprised at this connection between them because Snakebite is everything that you would expect a man called Snakebite to be. You know, he's just got the full beard that's not trimmed. He's got the the long straggly hair he doesn't care how what kind of clothes he's got on he's just very countrified i guess is the right way to put it so it was just a magical connection between them you could tell they loved each other to no end 
and they were older, you know, they were in their forties. So it wasn't like they were just spring chickens, not making a really very good choice. They really loved each other. So <clears throat> what I didn't realize though, was that her mother was going to be freaking out when she got to town. So the day of the event comes around and we've already spent the night in the hotel and got everybody all settled in. And it's scary because it's late September and all I think is I really should be back in school. I, I have no business being up on this mountain in fire season, 10 years into a drought. And it was already dry as a bone when we went and checked it out in the spring. So now I'm really nervous. And sure enough, all my hopes were dashed when we pull up and the snack shack hasn't even been sprayed down. They still had all the cobwebs that were there three months earlier. And the outhouse probably still has children screaming at the bottom for all we know. So luckily we were already up the hill and we quickly jumped right into cleaning everything. It was just disgusting inside and out. And we spent at least two hours getting everything ship shape. And by the time we did that, the 500 gallon barrel of water that snake bite had had delivered for us to use in the kitchen was spilling all over the middle of the rodeo grounds, all on the powdery dirt that was out there. Not a stitch was left for us to work with. And we had a wedding to cook for in just a couple hours was ready to be guests showing up and you know how all that would be. So all of a sudden, Snakebite can't be getting ready for his wedding. He's got his tuxedo on, thank goodness. And he decided he didn't need to do his hair or anything. He didn't even shave. So he wasn't in any kind of worry. He just went out and got some more water. So before you know it, we got a big old tanker, tanker full of water showing up. And um, that was like gold in those parts in those days. He obviously had some pull in his community because um, getting water on that mountain at that time was a really important thing to do. And I'm super proud of him for doing that. So we get off to work and we're doing everything just fine. And it's starting to be fun. You know, we're, I got my favorite crew around my daughter and her husband and their baby had come along for the fun. So they were at the hotel and it was just a really great weekend. So we get to serving the appetizer portion. And I was famous for this ridiculous old school pulled pork slider with, um, apple coleslaw on it and they just go like hotcakes everybody likes them and i can never get that that's like a tarnish on my name for the rest of my life i'll be known as the pulled pork lady and i hate that frankly i, I really hate that but anyway that was on the menu and stuffed mushrooms were the other thing and so i got this girl from jersey who comes to work every once in a while as a server and she's crass and she's 50 trying to look 20 in like club clothes from Jersey, you know, tight, short, red mini skirts and fake hair and just crazy woman. And everybody loved her so much. She could make a ice, ice sandwich and take it to an Eskimo and they'd be loving eating the whole thing because she was just that cool. So I noticed that I filled up her platter with these sandwiches and all of a sudden she came back with them half left on the platter. And I'm like, Deb, have you lost your touch? What's going on here? That should be gone by now. What's what's going on? She's like, well, there's a forest fire outside and I nobody wants to eat right now. They're busy watching the fire. And I'm like, she's all calm about it. And I'm like, what? So sure enough, I look out the window and there is a giant, I don't know, 50 feet tall, maybe taller um, pine tree burning right in front of us. And so everybody was wrapped in attention with this forest fire. And I look at 
Adrian and I look at Allie and I look at Andrew and I'm like, well, what are we going to do? And there was one way out. You had to go past the tree to get out of the, the rodeo grounds, one little lane. And we just decided, okay, we're going to find our purses, have them close by, and we're going to keep cooking because nobody's bugging us right now. And usually, you know how people are. They'll come and steal off the buffet before you. it's ever time. And half the time the bride and groom wouldn't get a thing to eat if we could let that happen. So we're really enjoying the fact that all of a sudden we're going to be able to get this buffet out before anybody even notices it because the place is on fire. <laughs> so that was my logic. And it worked. It actually worked. Because once again, old snake bite saves the day. Before you know it, Mr. Volunteer Firefighter has a helicopter show up and it dumps fire retardant all over the wedding to get the tree extinguished. And it worked. It totally worked. The wedding went on as planned. They were all loaded up in the back, smoking out, having a good old time. The food was fantastic. It was beautiful because nobody was in our way. The, the biggest problem we had besides the forest fire and the nasty snack shack was this herd of more like a gang of weenie dogs. They were wearing ribbons and there were about 16,000 of them and they were part of the wedding and they just made their way into the kitchen and they were like ants all over the floors and all over the shelves. They got on the shelves of the, I don't know how they did it with their short little legs. And I'd have to go and find the little girl who was in charge of them and tell her to come and wrangle her weenie dogs every other hour while we're trying to move food out. You know, it was like, that's when I put my furry friends clause in my contract that said, you know, we can't be, you can't bring dogs within a hundred feet of anywhere the food's going to be <laughs> because you just can't believe what people will not think about on their own. It's shocking that you have to tell them, I'm sorry. I know you love your, your dog so much that he's going to be your ring bearer at your wedding. I understand that that's important to you, but health code says and and my logic says don't let your dog in the kitchen and certainly don't let a dozen weenie dogs run wild with ribbons all over the place either just because they're short doesn't mean that they're not dangerous i'm here to tell you they're dangerous don't let it happen so by the end of the night <clears throat> we had amassed a twenty five hundred dollar tip it was so awesome all because we didn't run when the forest fire hit and from what I understand, Snakebite and his beautiful, glamorous wife are living happily ever after. I hope you do too. Have a good day. But wait, there's more. <clears throat> I forgot to mention that all the guests who showed up were from the town. And they were wearing t-shirts from the 1970s and 60s and 80s. All the ratty, nasty t-shirts that you find in the Goodwill, you know. And jeans. Most of them were Wranglers and uh, baseball hats and i mean these are even the women don't even get me started on what the men were wearing it was just a free-for-all and the day before when we had checked into the venue we got into the hotel and headed on over to kind of get things started for the next day they were doing a, a pig roast outside <clears throat> and they offered us food it was very sweet and generous and i i just said oh no we just ate <laughs> there was no way i was going to touch anything not a single thing that they offered. It was rough. And um, of all things, one of the guests was the guy from the convenience store slash bar with the wife beater shirt still in place. I kid you not. 
And that's how it goes when you live in the hills. I don't live there anymore. Sometimes I miss it, but you just run into all kinds of people. You'll find people who are filthy rich. Just, I mean, filthy rich where they've got a helicopter to fly in and out and a beautiful estate with manicured grass lawns in the middle of nowhere, right next door to a meth lab. You just never know what you're going to get when you're in that area. And that's part of its allure. You get to kind of feel like the wild west in a way until you need to call 911 and it takes you three or four hours just to get attention. You better be able to do your own kind of CPR. So snake bite and his bride, wherever you guys are, I hope you're having a great day, a great, great, great day. I know I sure am remembering the story. Thanks for the memories.